I was eight months pregnant and we went to one of the big festivals and markets that happens in the US called the Jackson Wild Film Festival. Fudged my papers because when you're eight months yeah, and you can't travel. literally bled through your pregnancies, no one's going to give you, sanction you to travel, right? Mm. Fudged my papers and I traveled. I was like, but ho jayega fir se. Mm. You know, but kaam paisa bhi That was literally the condition we were in. Oh my God. But Pipe Piper happened at that time. And uh, we made the film and uh, just after that, uh, there was someone I, I, I know who came forward and said that, you know, we want to we want to make, build a wildlife division and why don't you and your husband, uh, you know, head that division. It was a Bombay-based production house. So we did that work. Watch a lot of films and spend a lot of time in the wild. Do a naturalist course. Understand the bees, birds and trees and, you know, species that exist. Alright, because you'll need that knowledge, you'll use that knowledge in your film. For a technical skill, which I think Every filmmaker should have, whether you use it or not, you should know. Take care of your microhabitat and it'll build on that. It really will. The larger habitats, the connection that we have within the ecosystems will all come together. Welcome to Don't Run Into Glass, a podcast hosted by TheCitizen.in. I'm Gethi. And I'm Anika. And Anika, what are we chatting about today? I don't know, did you watch the Oscars recently? I mean, we were joking about this because I never watched the Oscars, but I feel like I watched them because, uh, I mean, it, yeah, on Instagram. It was just all over Instagram. Yeah, mm. I watched it. It was fantastic because uh, I watched it because India won so many awards. This so many, you mean too. Two, yeah, that's huge. Uh, that was huge. When was the last time India won two awards of the Oscars? Yeah. So I got very excited and I watched the Oscars. And uh, today we are actually talking to a very important filmmaker, actually a national awarded filmmaker on scientific films. How cool is that? It is really cool, and I'm actually a little intimidated because uh, we are, uh, we know nothing about these subjects. Like usually, our guests, at least one of us, knows. A little bit, right? Like at least, I mean, we've had archaeologists and you've been fine with that. We've had eating insects and I guess, you know, it's fine to know nothing about eating insects. But in this case, I guess we'll be talking about uh, wildlife filmmaking. We'll be talking about human interest stories, filmmaking in general. And we'd like to welcome on board Akanksha Sood, uh, who has very kindly joined us on an incredibly rainy Sunday. <laughs> on a strange Sunday. <laughs> on it's a strange, strange weather Sunday. Yeah. In fact, people are on Instagram right now posting, in Gurgaon at least, it's like a hailstorm, I think, yeah. right now. It's very romantic, the whole idea of this rain, but this is unseasonal rain and it really spells a lot of gloom and doom. It's not good for us because North India, uh, wheat is getting harvested. Yes. And uh, for a poor farmer who just piles up the harvest on one side, if it gets wet, it affects the quality of wheat that will now eventually come into the market. And obviously the airborne diseases are going to go up because wind patterns have changed. So, mm -hmm. yeah, there's a whole lot of it. And we're seeing this, I think, more and more. And I think uh, one of the reasons why we were quite, quite excited to interview you is because it is a conversation that I think we all kind of like run away from. Uh, at least I do, because it was, for instance, ecological damage is such a depressing conversation. You know, it's like literally just very gloom and doom. And uh, I think I have a very romanticized version of it from my childhood because we used to take these trips with my dad uh, to Jim Corbett and like stay in like these guest houses and see tigers and not really know the larger story to it. 
and then the more you sort of like see how much there's been like habitat loss and uh, you know the amount like the irreversible damage and climate change um it's really really depressing so i just wanted to get an idea like how do you not get depressed on a day to day basis like working with these kind of subjects is it is it i mean are you made of like thicker skin than the rest of us <laughs> what's happening <laughs> no i don't think so it's got to do with that it's just got to do with how you train yourself when you're working in the wild inside out you know day in and day out but you're very right in saying it it can get very depressing i think uh, the messaging of films on the natural world on environment on animals there right now two extremes to it you know it's either gloom and doom or it's really pretty pictures people realize there's gloom and doom so pretty pictures are not being accepted but then everything coming out is about gloom and doom and people are shutting down to it there's yeah. just so much the way you're brushing your teeth is incorrect because you're letting water flow the way you take a bath you're washing your car you got there's way too much guilt these days there's too in, much in of everything guilt. i feel like even i'm doing and for something that our generation is doing our children are being taught for in school about this like from nursery onwards and they're growing up feeling just so guilty about everything they will shut down faster with this kind of messaging so it really has to change and that is why a film like um elephant whisperers or a film like all that breeds are such a welcome change they're talking about all this they're showing you all this but the style the narrative the storytelling is so different you know you don't know whether you're watching a feature film or you're watching a documentary but actually you're watching a documentary so that is where it 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 kind of you know makes a lot of difference your storytelling and that is something i think when it comes to the natural world is what filmmakers now and from here on need to focus on say what you want to say but how are you going to say that without the audience getting overwhelmed intimidated and how did you sort of choose your themes because there is wildlife there's like yati said earlier the human stories um you've been awarded for them um the film industry in our country is a big industry right but the field that you work in is a rather tedious one it's difficult it's probably completely open to anyone unregulated there's no system so how do you choose your themes and stick with them to the end i i bet that's a journey and convince well. someone to fund fund them i mean uh, like as a filmmaker um especially as a documentary filmmaker do you struggle with that a little bit all way yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah money creativity yeah i think when it comes to film making especially documentary non fiction those are the biggest limiting factors i think even in fiction you know uh, those would be the uh, the the limiting factors but um you know i have been doing wildlife films for 21 22 years now i started off literally like my hardcore career started off at at 21 just doing this and early on um content the way we see it what we've been viewing itself has undergone a lot of change it's kept up with the times the demand the need how you know in in wildlife uh, things have changed so from where you were discovering species and talking about behavior it was all about how an elephant you know walks sleeps talks has sex has babies and goes from one place to the other you wanted to know more there was all about behavior from there on the focus shifted to drama because there was a rise in conflict with humans you yeah. know human and elephant confrontations going on so 
the narrative shifted to that. Then it moved on to a little bit more scientific films, but then it came to conservation. Oh, this is going away, and this is on the verge of extinction. This is on the brink. So the narrative shifted towards um, conservation, all right? But now it's again shifting, and with films like The Elephant Whisperers, All That Breeds, the narrative is again going to shift, right? But so it's, it's about what is happening with the times that wildlife filmmaking has also changed. Um, budgets have gone up and down, up and down, obviously dictated by the, the recession in a way. Um, because who is, where are you seeing these films? You're seeing them on television and how does television run? It's advertising revenue. So if there's a recession, ad spend goes low as a result of which budgets decrease. So what you can make over a period of three years, four years, now you probably have to do it within a year or you don't even have that kind of money. Co-productions have started, which were never some, which was never something we saw earlier on. You know, you're making a film exclusively for the BBC or for the National Geographic. To today, you have BBC, National Geographic, NHK Japan, are they all coming together because they want to make a story and it requires that kind of funding and so you sell territories. Just how fiction works. Yeah. You know, Shahrukh Khan film sold in X market for some amount and B market for some amount. It's a lot of yeah. like, lot like this. But eventually, where are you seeing this film? It's all on television. So it's, it's, it's very, um, the economics of it is very similar to what happens in globally, right? Um, I've forgotten the question. No. <laughs> no. Girl. Girl. No. That was great. No, no. but I, I agree with everything you're saying. No, the question, the question was about funding. So I think you were very, very well uh, on, on track in explaining that. <laughs> just to bring you guys back down to But I have reality. a follow-up question to this. No, let me just finish this bit on funding. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, uh, okay, we make films, right? Bollywood does it, documentary filmmakers do it. Um, uh, what is documentary? It's, 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 it's not structured, it's not scripted. You're working in an environment which is completely not in your control. In the middle of all of this, we come wildlife filmmakers who are specialist factuals. I like to use that term because it gives us a lot of seriousness. Uh, but yeah, we are another non-fiction category in a way. Um, but uh, we're very, very focused and specialized in what we do. It's not, it's filmmaking, but it's also understanding an environment, the natural world, where uh, it's not a studio setup. It's not like I can say, tiger, four o'clock, exactly. this water hole. Be there. Everything mm. is out of your control. It's out of your control. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sitting there and suddenly it starts raining, you know. Um, it, it's happened so much on shoots. And very recently also there was a flash flood. We were in Dras and we had to just get out of there. Dras is up near, above Cargill, right? Yes. Dras is where the, uh, the it was... The Cargill world started yes, there. Yes, oh, yes, so What there were you shooting? I'm filming brown bears over brown there. Brown bears. Ooh. Bears, which are brown, brown bears. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I'll try and remember that. My, 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 my daughter reads a book called Brown Bears. Black bear. bears, brown bears. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you sound bears. like an episode of The Office. Black bear, brown bear, sloth <laughs> bear, malayan sun bear. Uh, so yeah, but um, again, what is the question? The uh, funding. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know now, Bollywood is structured in many ways. They have a way films work. Um, obviously, if it's hardcore commercial cinema, there's a whole whole system in place about distribution, you know, funding, all of that. Uh, parallel cinema also has its own market. Right now, when it comes to a documentary, it's difficult to convince a, a, a producer saying, okay, give me a crore, minimum. Yeah. Give me a crore, give it to me for three years. 
sorry I can't give you any interest all right and uh, I'll make a film on animals they don't understand this आप शाहरुख खान का वॉइस ओवर कर सकते हैं उसमें Have you actually gotten that as a serious question? <laughs> yeah. उनको उनको लगा सकते हैं यू नो वॉइस ओवर चलो वॉइस ओवर ही करा देंगे उनसे इफ यू नो हिम वॉन्ट यू ब्रिंग हिम ऑन आई बी हैलीवुड फिल्म डोंट टेक सो मेनी इयर्स टू मेक वाइल्ड लाइफ फिल्म कैन टेक एनी थिंग फ्रॉम डिपेंडिंग ऑन योर स्टोरी एंड वॉट यू रियली डूइंग एनी थिंग फ्रॉम अ कपल ऑफ मंथ्स टू years years True. who's going to give you that money and then in a country like india where there is either uh, general entertainment or there's uh, 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 fiction you know there the films no who's showing documentary again there's a national geographic and there's a discovery and there's a sony bbc earth sony bbc earth is still i think true to what they are doing but a discovery and a national geographic in india are what are they doing are they producing wildlife content very little very yeah religion military yeah. food is what's really selling yeah and that for me is general entertainment only yeah wildlife is shrinking as a as a category it is it is no it's not shrinking i'd say i would say interest is growing yeah now in 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 films like this but i think the decision to produce these films in a That's market what, like it's india it's a negotiating table where it loses they it doesn't do get have, to the david attenborough they stage they do not have you know? the commissioning authority for these films because um uh, they're obviously very big budget films you know you can't make films in 10 20 lakhs it doesn't yeah. work like that 10 20 lakhs is probably just the filming fees i have to pay the forest department um in india if i have to film for over you know a couple of years or even a year or so depending on where i'm filming it's 40000 rupees per day per camera in madhya pradesh versus probably nothing in one or two places in the northeast so there's yeah. again no standardization <laughs> all right um i started off my career um, obviously i did all kinds of roles but when it came to like the first film we made it on tigers because that is the only thing that sells out of india back then you know in the 2000s uh tiger films sold for everything else there's competition sitting in africa they just don't have the tiger and we have it yeah and so if you wanted to be a you wanted to you know really make a career you start with a tiger film and you obviously every tiger film i think that kind of comes out if you look at it in a way the story is the same the characters are different mm-hmm. someone shooting in tadopa someone shooting in ranthambore most of the films are being shot in ranthambore on tigers but uh, that's like the mud island of tiger of so natural uh, for naturalistic film making mm-hmm. <laughs> in mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah you know that's that was the reality but now in the last 20 years the focus has shifted so much diversity is one of the things lesser known species habitats is what i'm currently working on you know that's what's to, that's selling there's so many filmmakers great filmmakers youngsters who are coming up and who are not to starting their career with tiger films that's a pretty pivotal they have change. great stories and yeah. they can you know you have great story you can even sell a frog as a tiger and you know have a channel commission that works 
Hey man, there's like really cool frogs in our country as well. No, and I saw you you recently won some in a, an episode of yours won something and it was an episode on bats. Yes, that was yeah. the national award yeah. we got for it's a series that I do in partnership with HCL and their conservation arm called the Habitat Trust. Okay. It's a series called On the Brink. So it is about shifting the narrative away from our megafauna mm. and putting the spotlight on lesser known species on lesser known habitats the habitats these species live in and also the spotlight on the scientists who are working in these environments yeah. you know the researchers biologists in a way it's their story and through them the work they do that you get to understand the animal and the landscape and all that is for and against the species Yeah so I think that's been a pretty pivotal shift right I mean like from just tigers and rhinos and elephants to being able to tell stories about bats and frogs and bees which are also yes. cre- incredibly important parts of the ecosystem um a question that I'd like to ask you and this is something that comes up on all of our podcasts like if you check out our youtube there's somebody or the other who's asked how does somebody get into this career And I think you you were saying that you're not formally trained in filmmaking, which I find fascinating because you know you think that somebody who's like achieved what you have achieved or um, as a wildlife filmmaker would have had formal training in uh, wildlife filmmaking. But let's just say that if I I was 18 and I was asking you this question, you know, how do I enter this field? Even at 40, you can. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's true. At any point. Yeah. But um, yeah. so. Wildlife filmmaking is filmmaking in a way, right? The basic craft remains the same. It depends on what you want to do. Do you want to be a writer, a cinematographer, a sound recordist, a graphic artist, a director? What do you want to do? You may not be able to figure out all of this initially because it's 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 a field you just don't know. You don't know anything about yeah. filmmaking. There are lots of ways to go about it. Go to film school. I am anti film school because I am not from film school and today where I stand I've learned everything on the job it's just that I don't have a great theoretical grounding because I'm not from film school so if you get into technicalities of the camera and all of that no but I can still explain to this my cinematographer what I want yeah it's his job to get me that how we do it within the parameters that we work in he has to I can explain it. I can tell him in layman language. मुझे ये चाहिए, वो देगा. But film school is great. I think, or any kind of professional training is great when you want a technical skill set. When you want to be a sound recordist, a cinematographer. All right, storytelling. Yeah, there are script courses, direction. There's a course, but I think you don't have to go through all of that. But for a technical skill, which I think. Every filmmaker should have, whether you use it or not, you should know, and that's what I feel. You know, I don't really have a technical skill. I mean, now obviously I can operate a camera and I can do photography, sound. So <laughs> I don't know what that is, but yeah, I know how it works. Basics, I know. I don't have practical training in it, and I stay away from it. Uh, but um, so, film school is great. For technical knowledge, if you can't go to film school, do a course, course from a private institution. Yeah, why not? But if you want to do wildlife, over and above all of this, watch a lot of films and spend a lot of time in the wild. Do a naturalist course. Understand the bees, birds, and trees, and you know species that exist. All right, because you'll need that knowledge. You'll use that knowledge in your films. All right. 
train yourself to become very very patient because there could be hours that run into days where you're just sitting and waiting that's very important uh, if you don't want to go to film school you don't want to do any kind of uh, you know professional training but i would say doing something in the wildlife space as a naturalist or working with an ngo something of that sort always helps go find someone a production house or a person who'll take you as an intern learn the ropes working in a production house find a mentor not happen early on but find someone who will say okay doesn't matter who you are come work with us for three months we're doing this project you know just see how it works yeah and figure it out because a you'll know the different departments that exist you probably get to as an intern you know move easily between those departments all right you'll figure out what interests you what doesn't interest you and what interests you is something that you can build on as you go so there are lots of ways and obviously the 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 there's another way which now really works is get on to youtube you know study yeah. cinematography yeah. sound all of this get those basics experiment backbore steel equipment you know and uh, make a film and see how it works watch films that's very important and watch all kinds of films don't stick to watching my life films my storytelling style over the years has changed so much itself i started off my career like i said doing tiger films but they were hardcore blue chip natural history films which are really the top and big budget films there are no people involved yeah. it's following a particular animal for you know months or years and telling their story and you know this mother with cubs and how she brings her cubs up and then the drama that happens all of those things that was blue chip yeah. right uh, behavior a lot of behavior focus went on to doing then other kinds of films and uh, uh now i'm i'm uh, then i did typical documentaries which included two human interest films that i have made mrityu bhoj and the pad piper very typical documentary you know, nothing ground breaking but now the series also that i'm doing now on the brink the first one because it was an experiment for the producer for us and we're trying to bring back conservation onto prime time which is something that broadcasters don't want to touch mm. it was like you know we had a presenter very very knowledgeable young face uh, who who went to these landscapes and with the scientists explored the region and you know went in search of these animals season 2 we saw that format did very well so season 2 we said uh, let's get the anchor out and make the scientists the anchor yeah. why not yes you know if this format <coughs> is done well we can make the scientists did that anger. work though it worked it worked, okay. it worked you know yeah. um we had a voice over to support yeah. it and all of that because everyone's not a great speaker and um, and and that's what we did and that was again a very typical documentary and now i'm doing the third season and i'm like we've seen just in the last two years no one's watching documentary films aap aap wildlife to bahut dur rakho documentary non fiction zyada koi dekh nahi raha no one's commissioning it and if you see even ott platforms are putting in their money with very very big production houses that do natural history films you know the silver bats in yeah. bbc studios mm -hmm. all of those people like us don't stand a chance though now i hope we do because uh you know uh, elephant whisperers has won yeah, so the focus the oscars uh, i feel like there are so many you know i i don't know how everyone feels about if they when they watch this year's oscars or not and i i want to lead this to my question to you as a woman in the field as well because you did a film uh pipe piper uh that influenced many and is such a popular subject but 
when you go as the uh, as a woman trying to pitch this story on that table what we talked about earlier and then the journey till seeing it till the end must have been difficult but this year at the oscars i felt like there were uh, you know indian recognition and it was for real stories or historicity of the country and it was all films that were it's not hardcore bollywood let's yeah. just say it that way right um and you're not hardcore bollywood at mm -hmm. all i worked in bollywood but the the, the films that you have made and you've been associated with as as a woman and this is something we ask in our podcast so how did how was that journey for you um despite not having formal training as you just have told us um how was that journey for you and you know working on films like the pied piper like yeah. kind of like is is your gen i mean just sort of to add to the question because uh, uh these are not easy situations to shoot in right like you're shooting in the middle of a jungle you're shooting in you know remote village somewhere um has your gender identity ever been sort of a restricting factor in your opinion or is it something that you've you know sort of it's there's no difference between a man or a woman in the documentary filmmaking world is kind of like the question or, we are or asking. rather like more broadly speaking gender doesn't play a role i i refuse to believe that it's a Come huge on. role yeah. um <laughs> and i'll tell you when i started off i was all of 21 all right um i happened to meet praveen my husband and um he was from he is from film school at back then he was doing a student film which was going on to uh, going on broadcast and he was it was doing it on the human leopard conflict in india and i started assisting him and he was in the us i was here uh, he would keep coming shooting and going back um, and because now i had got into this i didn't want to do anything else i wanted to explore the, uh, explore you know wildlife filmmaking a lot more so i did a lot of i worked with the production house which for a very long time for 8 years but it turned into a huge disaster by the time i left but it was not it was a great experience while i was there but i also did a lot of freelance work all right um and i worked across genres if someone said ad film i'd go there if someone said feature film i'd go there if someone said serving coffee on this brilliant production mm -hmm. i'd go there and serve coffee because i was hungry to learn i was i've always been dead against i don't know formal training education right so obviously i, I don't want to go to film school you know mm -hmm. and wildlife film school back then also there were courses my husband was doing it but i was very clear no i'm not leaving the country i'm going to stay over here very patriotic and you know I, this is where i want to be not really realizing how the market works you know the money is not here the money comes from abroad even today the money for natural history films comes from outside india all right uh and 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 if when i look back and i say those first 10 years that decade when i started you know from 21 to 30 there was nobody i could talk to there was nobody i could go to there wasn't really youtube and tutorials online i just had to force myself to do what i was doing nobody took me even organizations the production house that i worked in i remember when i first went in there for three months i would just sit in one corner and someone would give me some research work and i had to do that you know that broadband uh, sorry not yes, broadband yes, the dialogue the thing it comes my dream sometimes <laughs> yeah. that and yeah. the doordarshan yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is good we are that generation yeah. but uh, 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 you know three months i just sat nobody asked me for my opinion and someone did ask me something once and i said i don't like it and 
camera i wouldn't touch because i was scared of it but the stand that i saw people <laughs> lugging from here and then i was like ah, i can pick that up but no but both heavy hair so there were these biases that existed and i was also navigating you know and and i think you've got to be smart enough to realize where you can push yourself and where you need to just shut up mm-hmm. given i was no no formal training no authority nothing so i would just shut up sit just observe and i pushed myself when it came to that just sit observe there's an edit going on I would just hang around. I'd ask the editor if you don't mind, can I sit? Just watching what he's doing with the keypad and looking at what are the changes happening on screen. He does this. Oh, that's happening. Oh, then this must be for to do that. Cut that thing over here. You know, that's how I really learned everything. But if I went and said, you know, can you can you like spend an hour with me? No one had that time. No one gave me that kind of attention early on. So I just did everything and anything because I was really really hungry to learn. And then the turning point came when. Uh, I quit working with this production house. My husband and I got married. I was pregnant with my uh, first child, and he'd always been a freelancer. My husband and I had just quit, and uh, we just realized that we don't have any money, all right, and we don't know what to do with ourselves. And then we heard of this thing called the Asian pitch. It's a a a a a, a pitch that happened used to happen every year. and only for documentaries and we read a small little article in the newspaper on arunachalam murganandam the pad piper the padman and uh, we went called him up spoke to him went down spent 3 days did a little shoot put a trailer together made a pitch document traveled to singapore because that's where this uh, uh, pitching uh, workshop was ceremony uh, event was and uh, pitched it and i won Mm. You know it was 70000 uh, US dollars which was wow. hardly anything that time but still I mean, but for me for yeah. someone t- for for you know a husband wife sitting at home for a year baby coming all right we at that time didn't know how we going to pay the hospital bill it was like we'll pay swipe the credit card mm. and then just change our identity got away into the wild hospital <laughs> we will pay for credit card we like no we've not had a child no this is not us we don't know <laughs> we'll dispute it <laughs> but really truly that was the situation i had a very difficult first pregnancy and i i i you know i i didn't have money to buy clothes as i was expanding and my husband's cousin was a big guy i would tell him give me your old t-shirts no <laughs> i was 8 months pregnant and we went to one of the big festivals and markets that happens in the US called the Jackson Wild Film Festival fudged my papers because when you're 8 months you're and you literally bled through your pregnancy no one's going to give you sanction you to travel right mm. fudged my papers and i traveled i was like bachcha ho jayega fir se mm. you know but kaam paisa bhi chahiye that was literally the condition we were in oh my god but pipe piper happened at that time and uh, we made the film and uh, just after that uh, there was someone I, i i know who came forward and said that you know we want to we want to build a wildlife division and why don't you and your husband uh, you know head that division it was a bombay based production house so we did that work and uh, it was like whether you have work or don't have work but then we were working and we did two 
two of the biggest films uh, during that tenure, which were films done for the first time in India at night. What films were they? There, these are two films called, uh, a two-part series called Manas Return of the Giants and India's Wandering Lions on the Gear Lions. Okay. And we had a co-production with a, with a UK-based company, uh, uh, Martin, Martin Don. I don't know if you've heard, the, uh, My Garden of a Thousand Bees, he just won. It's a film on bees. Yeah, well, <coughs> I haven't heard of it, but I, I think I've read about it somewhere, but okay. I've not watched mm -hmm. it. <laughs> it's a brilliant film. You must watch it. Martin, he's, he's a very, he's a very, he's a geeky guy. He just loves to make his own cameras because he wants to shoot a particular creature and it requires a specialized camera, so he'll just build it. He can build his own cameras. Yeah, build, that's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, 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 he's got a great history mm -hmm. to him. So mm -hmm. we tied up with him because we were very clear to be f a. Getting permissions in India is going to be tough. Yeah. They don't allow you to film at night. It's sunrise to sunset, right? So we now need to film. Then use of artificial lights is not allowed. So wh that's why Martin came in, because he had made his own thermal cameras, his own starlight cameras, which are essentially cameras that work in the natural uh, light at night. So whether it's you know moonlight or full moonlight or even no light and obviously infrared. So this was the technology we used and we made a film. And I think it was quite groundbreaking because it was the first time we saw what happens inside and outside protected areas in areas where you know man and animal are living sharing the sharing the landscape mm. and, and and there were lovely lovely films that we did so those were the two films that came out when we were working for that production house but then i won the first national award how how did that feel yeah. i just wanted to ask <laughs> yeah. after, after all of that after going eight <laughs> months pregnant to america for work fudge papers and fudge everything. papers and everything <laughs> Decided to not recognize your child when they came with the bill, you know. Then when the plan. National award. Wow. But you know, I remember I was in 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 in, in Bristol in UK uh, editing something uh, um, and this email came saying that uh, you've uh, won the national award and this day is the particular is there is the ceremony you got to be there there's the protocol do's and what don'ts. did you win for again which it was for the pad piper pad piper yeah uh, um, it was not supposed to be a science and technology film but that's the category it won in so be mm. it i'm very happy mm. um and i was in the U I, I was all alone in the evening sitting in the room just come back from work and i started shaking trembling and there was nobody and I call up my parents, I call up my husband, I call up my best friend, I call up anyone and everyone I knew and no one answered the phone. Mm. And then I sent out this mass email mm. to everyone, including my parents and my husband, my sister, everyone saying, this is what's happened. I'm coming home, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it, it changed the way moving forward. That was, that was the second decade of my career, uh, the start of literally the second decade of my career. And I said to myself that, I won this award. It's a huge recognition for me. I don't care what the rest of the world thinks. This is for me is the Oscars. All right. Um, I was all of what 32 back then. And I said that if now I don't start a production company, I don't start my own brand for the rest of my life, I'm going to be dependent on some producer or the other pumping in money, not pumping in money. All right. Uh, begging. It's very difficult in, in you know, it's very difficult uh, working with another production house, you know, building their brand. If I don't do it now, I will never be able to do it. And so I quit. 
I put in my papers. I quit uh, the the production house. I was working. My husband continued for a while because both of us couldn't again yeah. take the risk. <laughs> and uh, you have a baby coming. <laughs> baby second one. Yeah, second one. <laughs> <laughs> Same story. <laughs> but really no, worried about this baby. Again, <laughs> we were in a crisis, financial crisis, even in the second one. But then I had a plan and it but worked. But in a better situation, right? Yeah. Like I mean, it Ex- was more a choice. experience. Yeah. Understanding the market much better. You knew who to approach. You know that. Early, the first decade was all about learning and figuring things out. Now you know how it works, yeah. or at least you figured the basics of it. You knew what you could do, where you could go, how to pitch, whom to pitch to. That's very important. Okay, yeah. so we knew all of that, and uh, and uh, and and I started my production company, and I don't know five years, six years, and nothing happened. <laughs> no work. <laughs> I think we did all kinds of small, small odd jobs here yeah, and there. Yeah, wasn't this magical story that you know you won the. A national award, you start your film company, and everything is. That's what you think. Yeah, that's <laughs> what you think that. it is. Just because you won one national award, yeah. everyone's going to come knocking on your door. No, no, it doesn't work like that. Um, you know, I think national award also. So many films get made, but I think half the people do not know how to enter their films in national awards. So I think a lot of films better than mine would have never made it because either they don't know how to enter, they don't know what the process is, or they just maybe don't even want to. Mm. But that apart, uh, the Gaia people, my company, I had formed it and doing all kinds of small uh, little things. Then I applied for the Asian pitch again because they had changed the rules that if you won once, you cannot apply for another three years. <laughs> so I, I pitched again and I got my second human interest uh, film. And in between that, what happened is the, f- the two wildlife films that we, um, uh, the one wildlife film that we had done with that production house in Tigers, that won a national award. Okay. Okay, for best editing in nonfiction. So that was a second national award. And uh, uh, I did a third film called. Um, um, for Pat Piper, I had won two national awards, producer and director. So, uh, for, so, so uh, uh, we did, um, uh, I did my second human interest film uh, called Mrityu Bhoj, The Death Feast. It's essentially the tradition we have on the 13th day after someone dies, feeding the community or 13 Brahmins yeah. or invariably. The, feeding the community, right? The Theravi as we call yeah. it. Um, so it was on that. Uh, and that went on to win another national award Um, and that I think by then also it was literally like the uh, end of my second decade I I I I, and also having done so much of wildlife which was non-stop we were doing it right we'd reached a point where we were like we need to do something different you know, wildlife, the stories, these big cat and megafauna, like you said, you know, focus on just rhinos and snakes and elephants and leopards and tigers. We've done it. There's nothing more to say. There's really nothing. What do we do? And thus was born the idea of doing something on the lesser known species, animals that live in the shadow of the tiger. All right. There was born the idea of on the brink. And for the last five years, that's what I'm, I'm doing. I've, I've, I, can, I can still work in the international market, do the big budget pitch, and I know I will get it, the big budget films that really get you the money and attention. But I'm very happy doing what I am doing. I want to make this the longest running series on 
on on lesser known species that come that's come out of India. I mean, I work with creatures where there is no even their stock footage doesn't exist. Yeah, that's that's your stock crazy. footage doesn't exist. So I'm creating a visual bank of sorts, yeah. and I'm very happy doing it. I'm getting to travel and experience experience India, which I haven't done in the first twenty years. Yeah. I haven't, yeah. because I was so focused on making money in a way. Yeah. You know, as you keep talking, it's such incredible work that documentary filmmakers such as you have done. But one of the things that I always, um, and I absolutely love watching documentary, non-fiction, but a problem that I think a lot of us face is access to these films. Either we wait till it comes on television, Which will never they come don't in get India. a theatrical <laughs> release, at least in India, I don't know, is there a theatre that releases documentaries? Even if some good person opened a theatre only for documentaries, you know, I don't yeah, think it would survive a three-year yeah. cycle, right? Is this access? We're, we're glad that a lot of these online platforms have the documentary category over there. But then again, the selection over there, country to country, is... It's so it's that access. And, you know, you work so hard, like listening to your story. I can't help myself but ask this question. You work so hard and you build such a great archive of, of real facts. But it's so difficult to reach for the common audience. Yes. You know, so how, how do you feel about that? And is there a hack? <laughs> I think every question is the so hack far. Is, is there a always hack? money. Mm. Get a good producer. No, no, no. For me. The oh, hack to, for watch. Me, to watch. To <laughs> no, watch. Like, how but do I get to watch this incredible piece of cinema? You know, one of the things that has happened to me is that I've, I've now on the jury of a lot of film festivals including uh, the International Emmy in the documentary category. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, um, and being a jury member, you get to see so many films. And you know that you will never in the next 20 no years... No need to show up. <laughs> I know. How <laughs> we yeah, I'm watch asking that. you, what is the website? <laughs> and you're telling me, join the film festival jury. Um, so, I, and we're running out of time, so I'm going to have to wrap this up a little bit. A little bit. I wanted to also actually ask a question that's maybe not specific to being a filmmaker, but maybe in your knowledge as a expert, wildlife expert, because you know, you're somebody who has worked closely with the subject, you've sort of visited different national parks in India. How have our conservation efforts been? And can we possibly end this on some element of like optimism as opposed to doom and gloom in terms of like, having some hope for the fact that like, conservation efforts in India are getting better? Um, you know, the bureaucracy in parks is maybe becoming better to deal with? Um, clearly, we might not get an optimistic answer, but I want to just have a little bit of an idea in terms of like, where is it headed? You know, I mean, are we are we at least somewhat in the right track? Okay, I'll answer your question first. Where do you watch these films? Um, OTT platforms, yes. Now, if you're really interested, go beyond an Amazon and um, uh, Netflix and look at other plot platforms that exist, Mubi, All Saints. Uh, there are a lot of films also, great films that also get released on YouTube. I shouldn't encourage it, but there are also pirated copies on YouTube that you can watch mm -hmm. if you know the film that you want to see. Uh, but they're there, so you might as well watch them. Uh, so this is really where it is. Uh, all that breeds with the one we were talking about, it's on HBO. Mm. 
Uh, I don't think so you get that subscription in India, but it will come. India is being recognized as a very important market when it comes to content. So these platforms will come in, uh, platforms will come to this country. But there is a great bank already that exists on platforms outside Netflix and Amazon that you can explore and are available in this country. So that could potentially be a starting point. And if you know filmmakers, ask them, you know, can we do a community screening where you get to watch a film and a whole lot of like-minded people get to watch a film or you know and, and there are there are a lot of takers for documentary just because our, our networks don't show it doesn't mean it doesn't exist there are mm -hmm. people there is an audience um, answering your question gloom and doom it is a situation of gloom and doom you know but I see a lot of hope and I see a hope in the number of people that are coming into not just wildlife filmmaking, but into the nature and environment space in different capacities. You know, not just the scientists and researchers, journalists, lawyers, uh, artists, musicians. There's a very fam a famous uh, young girl who, who does music around the natural world. Um, painters, photographers. There's just so much that you can do and be connected to the natural world. Uh, if it's a passion or just an interest, but there are ways of being connected and also being able to, if not full time, part time to be able to monetize that passion a bit. Um, and I think this is that army that's rising, you know, in, and in different spheres, that's really going to make change happen. It takes time. The natural world is not something that will heal or recover overnight. We just have to be mindful that there's certain steps we humans have to take to ensure that there is some sort of basic protection. And there is also the need to realize that we don't have to intervene everywhere. Mm. It's nature, she has a <coughs> healing and recovery mechanism. Trust that also. Absolutely. I can never forget mid-lockdown uh, yeah. when once I had to go for an emergency drive to get something, the sky was so fantastic, I lost my way. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Yeah, no, no, it's true. It it's, was. It's like nature has a way of coming back. So I totally agree with you. It has a way of coming back, and we just have to stop intervening. That and I think you know, uh, it was my husband and discussing. It's great to have an annual lockdown. Yeah, no, and uh, it's it's been coincided a conservation effort, right? Coincided with school vacations. Nay, Delhi is going to go into a lockdown. Either you sit at home or you just go out of the city. Do it in the pollution time. I mean, just before pollution, so there's that build-up kind of reduces. No, I, but I think make it. Why not experiment with it in the 21st I've, century, for God's it sake? It is true, though. Like, it, there is, I mean, there is logic to that to the extent that, you know, I read, remember when we wanted to go to Bora Bora? No, not Bora Bora. We wanted to go to Boracay yeah. in the Philippines. And we were all very excited about this trip. And then eventually I read an article that Boracay had been so flooded by tourists that they had to stop tourists for coming just to let the island regenerate yes and that is obviously a very obvious um, you know a conservation tactic that people do use for coasts and things like that or islands but if you just stop people from coming and messing with the natural habitat give it two three years the environment can regenerate recover and maybe more of that should be implemented you're right maybe it is, is you know i mean you know one good thing in india the four months of monsoons our national parks are shut yeah which is very good you know, the water obviously rejuvenates and all of that, but it's very good. Animals get four months of respite from seeing humans and being surrounded by vehicles all the time. It's a great practice. Yeah. And I think 
there's something we need to do and I, I think one of the basic things just as an audience or a layman is be mindful of your footprints in everything that you do and it again is not something that happens overnight you have to be very conscious of the decisions and actions your decisions of what you want to do and how you want to live just start becoming mindful it's not about just teaching your child because the textbook has a whole chapter on you know on, on sustainability and coexistence no start making it a part of your lifestyle look after your micro habitat yeah. your home your, yeah. you have you are someone says and i see a lot of it on social media because obviously i'm a targeted audience for all that kind of content um a hundred people doing sustainability correctly versus a million doing sust uh, sustainability incorrectly but building on it as they grow will have a bigger change start with your micro habitat each take care of your micro habitat and it'll build on that it really will the larger habitats the connection that we have within the ecosystems will all come together and also i think do the things that you can do because i mean for someone like me i quite get intimidated when i'm given this checklist of the things i should be doing because quite a few of them are like not that convenient yeah. or that possible yes. and then i have to remind myself just because you can't do them all doesn't mean you can't start with you know the three that are easy easy so just start with the few that are your easy convenience and build on. your reality your circumstances pick and choose but do something each small little act makes a lot of difference yeah and i think that's the message that we want to uh end this on as well that each small act makes a difference and it's not all all doom and gloom even though the weather yeah, <laughs> might I mean, suggest otherwise yeah um but thank you akanksha for joining thank us you so much. it was a very insightful conversation and actually for once i'm not left feeling depressed we've had a couple of these you know on uh, environment and sustainability when we became a gas chamber we had one of those where the air was just so bad yeah <clears throat> and they started off upbeat and we were all really happy and talking and as the conversation goes on you can hear all our voices get like i think both of like, us wanted to end the podcast like, like oh yeah that's it guys <laughs> yeah this is just sad as go like sulk in a corner yeah. but uh, fortunately that's not the feeling yeah. today yeah. <laughs> thank you you're welcome